And if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter near the end of your Bibles as we continue in our series here. We'll be looking at chapter 1, verses 12 through the end of the chapter, verse 21. As we look here this evening at the power of God's Word and how the Lord reveals to us and speaks to us what we need in His Word. If you would please now give attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. The Word of the Lord is completely sufficient. The Word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And the Word of the Lord is completely without error. Second Peter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with Him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Thus far the reading of God's Holy Word. Let's pray for His blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please speak to us from Your Word. Please make us more certain, O Lord, of all that You would have us to know. This we ask. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this evening we are looking at the second half of the first chapter of Peter's second letter to the church. And I'd like us to look briefly this evening at how the Lord deals with us as we face doubts and difficulties and where our source of truth and knowledge and comfort comes from. And it comes from the Lord in His Word. And Peter has a way of describing this Describing first how we need to know certain things. And then secondly, he says, these are the things that you've heard from us and we actually saw them with our very eyes and heard them with our very ears. But you need to also know that there's something even more certain than that. And that is the word of the Lord that he has brought to you through the prophets. Now at the time here, Peter is specifically thinking of the Old Testament prophets, the ones who had had written down the Word of God as they were carried along, 
as Peter tells us, by the Holy Spirit. But as we come to these words, there is an irony and a joy in them because not only do they include the word of the Lord as found in the New Testament, it includes the word of the Lord that Peter himself brings to us here describing the surety of this word. So what I would like us to look at is first the things that we need to know, what we need to know. And then second, we will look at Peter's description of the apostolic witness that he was a party to. And then third, we will look at the prophetic testimony that is still available to us each and every day. Well, Peter begins this section in verse 12 with understanding what we need to know. And it's passages like this that absolutely convince me that Peter was a pastor. Many of you have heard me say that my job as a pastor is not to tell you new and fancy things. The pastor's job is simply to remind you of things you already know that maybe haven't come to your mind recently or that you need to be encouraged in. And that's what Peter is saying here. Look, he says, Therefore I always intend to remind you of these qualities. Now we take a therefore, and the first thing that we do is we look back to see what the therefore is there for. And we remember that Peter has been talking about the qualities of an active and living faith. How it comes with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and all of the qualities that are active and alive in the believer that show that Jesus Christ is alive in Him. And if all of these qualities are active in you, Peter says, then you can be sure that you are fruitful and you can be sure you will not fall and that you will receive a kingdom. A kingdom of God. And so Peter then says, therefore, because all this is true, I intend to remind you of this. And he says, I know you already know it. Because if we think about it, there are three main stages of Christian growth. No matter how old or young you are. The first is that we need to know. We need to be taught about faith. We need to be taught about these qualities. We need to be taught about eternity. And then... We need to be established in this. You see, Peter says, you know these things and you also are established in them. You have been made firm. The idea here is of standing on a solid rock. Of being firm and steady in what we believe. It's not just something that we know and have heard of once or twice, but it is something that has taken deep root in our lives. It is a principle that we live by. We may not be able to cite or quote every verse in the Bible, but we understand its principles. We understand God's truth. We know where to go to find God's truth, and that stabilizes us through all of our actions and circumstances. But that third stage of growth in the Christian is to be reminded of these truths. It's not enough to know and to be established. We must continually bring them to our mind. You will never come to a point in your Christian life where you have moved past the truths of the Bible. If you have, you are in a very dangerous place. You want to know and be established and then to think on these things and to be reminded. And when we are reminded of these things, Peter says there is a 
a refreshment that comes to us. Peter doesn't just want us to know these things with our minds. He wants the whole of our lives to be put in motion by them. You see this in verse 13. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. He wants you to get up and get moving. He wants you to have an eternal perspective that He has. You see, He knows He does not have forever. Do you see that? As long as I am in this body. And actually, the word that He uses for body is even more temporary than body. He says this tent or this tabernacle that I am in now. We don't think of a tent as a permanent place to dwell, do we? We think of it as some place that we keep dry in when we're camping. It doesn't exactly have all of the comforts of home. No one says, I can't wait till I can get back to my tent. Unless they're out in the forest in the rain. Otherwise, they see it as just a temporary way stop. And that's what Peter understands. See, he understands that we have less time than we think. He says, I know that I will be putting off this body soon. So let me remind you of something you already know. You have less time to live in this life than you think. Whether your life will be cut short by circumstances or illness or accident, or that you live to a ripe old age, it is not as far away as we think it is. And the irony is the younger we are, the longer we think we have. We think we are eternal and that nothing can touch us. And Peter says we have to understand that we don't know how long we have. We have to make use of every minute we have. I think this has really become clear for Peter in a very practical way. Do you see this here? He says, I know I will be putting off my body soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I think this is an aha moment for Peter. You know what I mean? In the old cartoons, the light bulb would come above the head. You see, you remember in John chapter 21, our Lord said to Peter that there will come a time when you are old, where you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said, John said, because he spoke of Peter's death. So where is Peter now? He's old. Where is he living? In prison. In Rome. His hands have been stretched out. He's not in control of himself. And I think it's as if Peter recalls the very tone and feel of the sentence of Jesus. And says, my time is short. Let me tell you what is really important in life. You need to wake up and pay attention. You need to make every effort, he says. You need to be able at any time to recall these things because these things are life. And what is it that we are to recall? Well, you see, he turns to that in verse 16 with the apostolic witness. He says, what you need to recall and remember most of all is the glory of King Jesus. And then he says, let me tell you about it. It's not a story. It's not a myth. I know there are people around you saying, oh, that wasn't who Jesus was. Oh, Jesus never existed. Oh, Jesus surely didn't do that. Does that sound familiar to you in this day and age? 
Oh, Jesus could never have turned water into wine. There must have been a secret cache of wine. Oh, He could never have healed a man. The man must have spontaneously got better. Or He must have not really been sick. You see, in their day as well as in ours, there are those who seek to deny who Jesus is and to convince you that Jesus is otherwise than you know and that you remember and that you are stirred up to know. Peter says, we told you about the power of Jesus and that He is coming back. His power and His coming in verse 16. And in this you can almost hear, I want you to hear the tonal quality of sarcasm. Not from Peter, but from his enemies. You know what that's like, don't you? You young people especially have used that with your peers. I want you to hear in the background of what Peter is saying, Voices that say, yes, sure, Jesus is coming back (laughs) any time now. Where is He? Where is His promise of the coming? Seriously? You think He's coming back? What are you, nuts? Would you give that up? There is no such thing as Jesus coming back. He's died and He's gone. Give up these myths and fables. Live real life here today. Would you grow up? Those are the voices that we hear today, aren't they? And you see, Peter says, others are going to try and manipulate you with cunning myths. And the way this language is, cleverly devised myths, it's like quacks. You know those who aren't real doctors and sell you snake oil cures? They they talk a good game, don't they? They move things all around. They show how this is the best thing since sliced bread. But there's no real substance behind it. You see, they're just trying to get followers. And Peter says, that is not what I saw. That's not what I'm trying to do. Let me tell you, with my own eyes, I was a careful observer and I saw the majesty of Jesus. Just as you know, there is none like God with His majesty. There is none like Jesus. He is the one that has all of the glory and the honor. There is no mistaking it. And I didn't just see it with my own eyes, he says. I heard it with my own ears. There was a voice that was born down, that came down from heaven, that came from God. A reminder that God is not silent. Now, have you ever wondered why God spoke in the midst of that transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ? It was obvious that Jesus had power on the mountain, right? If you're Peter and John, you are dumbfounded. You see Jesus revealed in all His glory and Moses and Elijah and you are so struck that Peter can't think of anything to say but maybe we should build some, some huts here. Have you ever wondered why God had to speak? Why did He say... This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. It's because even though Peter saw something, Peter was not in charge of the interpretation of what that meant. God was. And so God speaks. And He says, let me tell you what this is all about. This is to show to you that this is My Son and He is My Beloved Son. And the language is very vivid. Peter actually uses the word My twice. He says, this is My Beloved, My Son. 
There is no mistaking here that Jesus Christ is the King of glory and the Son of God incarnate. All of the events here are being interpreted by God. He is telling us that He is well pleased in His Son and that all that Jesus does is from God. There are even echoes of God's relationship with His people on Mount Sinai here as Peter says, this is the holy mountain. And so we have to understand here that God is revealing Himself, His will, and His Son to the apostles and leaving no mistake about what it means. And then Peter then turns to a a second mode of communication from the Lord. And he uses a very interesting phrase. He says in verse 19, And we have something more sure. The prophetic word. Now that cuts against everything we think, doesn't it? What is more sure than seeing something with your own eyes and hearing it with your own ears? If I gave you the choice between reading the Bible and seeing Jesus right here and having Him speak to you, what do you think you would pick? I know surely I would be tempted to listen to Jesus, to see Him, to know what He was like. But you see, Peter says, we have something that's more sure, more enduring. And the message is the same. And it's more certain for you and for me because we don't have to just trust an eyewitness account from Peter. We have that very Word in our possession at all times. And again, Peter says to us, you need to pay attention. You have something more sure and you would do well to pay attention to it. Because it is a light in the world that you walk today. He says it is a lamp shining in a dark place. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night when there is even outside a new moon? And even in a place like your bedroom that you know real well, you just hope that you don't trip over something, bash your toe, or I have been known when I don't feel out with my hands to actually walk into a wall or the the jut of a doorway. Because you can't see anything, right? That's the kind of darkness that surrounds this world. The word here for darkness is a very vivid word. It means a dark, dirty unable to be seen in, where light gets swallowed up kind of place. And if we are to make our way through this world, we need a lamp. A lamp that shines, that gives light. And Peter says you have that in God's Word. No matter how dark your circumstances are, no matter how difficult your life is, no matter how challenging the things before you are, you have a light that shines before you. And no one can take that away from you. This is a sure guide for you. It is a light in the world that we live, but it is also our guide out of this world. Isn't it? We would do well to pay attention to this because it's a lamp, but also we need to pay attention until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. The day will come that is a day of judgment. 
The day will come that is a day of salvation for the believer. And our guide out to that day is God's Word. It shines through the world and points to that day when we will be with Christ. And all will be right in the world. And all of our sin will be gone. And we will be in glory, worshiping the Lord. Do you long to be there? As the saying goes, does that sound good? Well, then you need to be in God's Word because it points the way to this. It shines through and fulfills in our hearts what God is doing. And Peter uses a wonderful image here. He talks about the morning star rising in our hearts. Do you know what the morning star is? The morning star isn't even actually a star. The morning star is what they call the planet Venus. Because there are times in the year when before dawn even arrives, that Venus is on the horizon and reflects the rays of the sun and it gives a precursor to the dawn. It's like a pre-dawn light. And you see, this is what Peter is saying to you. You have this sure word that is like an image of glory before glory. Do you want to know what the world was meant to be? Look in God's Word, you will see. Do you want to know where we are traveling to, where our destination is? Look in God's Word, that will tell you. You can see that morning star on the horizon and know that the dawn is not far off. What a comfort for us when we know, if we're honest with ourselves, that life is hard, isn't it? People around us get sick. We get sick. We have broken relationships. We make mistakes. We say words we can't get back again. We do things we can't undo. And you see, Peter says, in the midst of that darkness, you have the light of God's Word to guide you and to show you what God is preparing for you. And the interesting thing then is is that Peter describes this Word of God in the same way that he describes that circumstance, that history of the transfiguration. You remember that Jesus was transfigured on the mountain and then, of course, God gave the interpretation of what was happening. He wanted it to be clear what was going on. And so it is with God's Word as well. He says, knowing this first of all, in verse 20, He says, above all else, you need to focus on this one thing. That no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Now, what does that mean? I think sometimes when we look at this, we think that it affects the way we interpret Scripture. We shouldn't have our own interpretation of the Scripture. But I think it's even more fundamental than that. You see, God gives the words of Scripture. But God also gives the meaning of Scripture. He is responsible for what the words are and mean. And there's a purpose behind it. So we think about it in terms of a prophet prophesying. He not only gives the prophet a vision, he gives the prophet the interpretation of the vision. Why the vision is given. What purpose this is for. 
He is the one who sets the meaning. That's why it's sure. He doesn't leave it up for grabs. He has a great purpose in what He has revealed in His Word. And so we do not go throughout the Bible trying to find secret codes or secret meanings or things that have never been thought of. We go to find sure comfort from the One who intended to speak to us and to speak to us in such a way that it would affect our lives. And this is why God has used men to write the Bible. I mean, have you ever thought God did not need to use men? The Bible could have dropped straight from heaven. Angels could have written it. Why did God use men to write the Scriptures? It's because He's trying to make us understand that He is the one who is in charge. And even the men who wrote do not bind the interpretation or the meaning. He says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He tells us this both in the negative and the positive, that He is the one who has given us this Word. If you think of it, Peter is almost saying in a humorous fashion, you know, no prophet ever got up in the morning. Isaiah didn't get up, pour himself a cup of coffee and say, you know what? I think I'll prophesy today. What do you think? What should I prophesy about today? No. God just came upon him. He was an instrument. There is a partnership here between God and man, but it is not an equal partnership. For you see, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter knows this. He's doing it. Both are present. God and man. But you see, men are carried along. That takes us back. Does that language sound familiar? It's the same word in verse 17. For when God received, for when He received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was born to Him. And then in verse 18, the very voice born from heaven, just as the voice was carried along, so men were carried along because it is God who is in control of His Word. So this week, as you face difficulties and challenges, some of which you think there's no answer to, or you will never get to the answer, you have to understand that we have a very sure word in our possession. So sure, sure than if Jesus Himself were here speaking to us. There is no hesitation. No matter what the mockers, the scoffers say, the promises of God in His Word are true. And we can rely upon them. Peter did. Even as he knew his time was short, he thought it was important enough to remind you and me of this truth. That our God is not silent and that our God has a purpose in what He says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You are indeed our God. And we pray, O oh Lord, that You would give us more and more confidence in Your Word, that we would trust You, that we would follow after You, and that we would take Your Word to others, bringing to them hope. Lord, please bless us this evening. 
Bless the food that we are about to partake of. May it be nourishment to our bodies. Bless our conversation. May it be nourishment to our souls. This we ask, O Lord, in great confidence, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you please stand for the Lord's blessing. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen.